Okay, good morning, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm really excited today to have Ramy Rossello on the phone. Uh, she's out in Colorado, and Ramy owns um, Comita. Uh, she has two locations, as well as a, a pink uh, truck, a pink taco truck, which kind of started the whole thing. And uh, she has a really fascinating and inspiring story, um, and she's just really just I read some stuff about Ramey um, before calling, and I just learned a lot just reading some articles about her and everything. So, Ramey, thank you so, so much for taking the time to do this today. It's my pleasure. Nice to talk with you. So, so you, um, you know, as I was kind of doing, doing a little background research, and it sounds like so you were from New York. You came out to Colorado in the early 90s, and then you um, you co-founded uh, – Protos or Protos Pizza uh, back in like '99 yep. or so. Is that right? I, I did. You did your homework. I yeah. I started um, Protos Pizza with my partner at the time, Pam Proto, um, and it was obviously her idea. And um, as it was, is still her namesake. And um, together we opened five Protos Pizzerias together. Um, started with one in Longmont which is where the first Comita coincidentally ended up being, though I never would have thought that that would happen because it's not a huge town. Um, yeah, and we started in 99 and opened uh, four along the Front Range together and one up in Boise, Idaho, just to try our hand out of state. Now, four, so, so five, in how many years did you open the five? We did that in seven years, and then I um, sold my half to her. She bought me out in two 2007 or 8, one of those years, and um, yeah, and then after I left, she opened, she's opened one more since, she opened one night after that. <clears throat> and they're still That's going strong. They're doing doing really well. Well, that sounds like a good business, and then so I'm curious, a couple of things. Well, one is, um, is tell me about, I mean, opening that many locations and seven, five locations in seven years, I bet that was a pretty, uh, you were probably pretty busy, huh? Pretty busy for sure and just scared, you know, to death for the first little bit. I think each time we open a new location, I would, you know, just wonder how in the heck we were going to get it all done and where was the money going to come from and how to make it all happen. But Pam is very tenacious and I learned so much from her over the years just uh, about, you know, putting your right foot forward and showing up and, you know, working hard and, and also hiring really great people so that we could, you know, obviously we, you, you can't run five restaurants alone, um, let alone one in uh, an out-of-state area. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a great opportunity. We worked really well together for that whole time. And um, when it was time for me to move on, I just was sort of antsy to do my own thing. And, um, I, I mean, I love pizza and I love protos and I eat it still probably once a week. There's a location at the bottom of the hill from where I live. But I wanted to branch out and do some other stuff. Yeah, so it sounds like it was a good partnership, and you just kind of – I mean, sometimes partnerships just turn into, you know, um, they don't work out. But you um, learned a lot from her and then wanted to do your own thing. Um, yeah. And, well, now, one thing – it's interesting because you said, you know, you, you were kind of had fear each time you open the next location. And um, it was funny because I, I read – in the article you wrote last year, uh, I believe it was in the Denver Post, you, you talked about, and I'm curious about this kind of transition because you she bought you out and then you went, is, it, is that kind of when you went in and 
you planned um, or started with your pink taco truck, right? Was that the first kind of step in the Camita? You know, right after um, she bought me out, I actually uh, had put myself through pastry school just before then just to learn sort of the back, you know, a, a part of the restaurant food world that I was completely unfamiliar with and also very uncomfortable with. I didn't want to go through, you know, $60,000 worth of chef school. Um, I, that wasn't anything I was interested in, but to learn, you know, a little bit of the back of the house side of things. I mean, I, I did everything that there was to do at Proto's, but making pizza and, you know, running a line in the kitchen, they're two very different things. Anyway, they, they are when, you know, you're talking about Proto's pizza and, and even Comida. So, um, so I did the pastry thing, and that was a, a great eye-opener for me just in terms of knowing that I never wanted to be a pastry chef. <laughs> but um, I still love to – I just made fresh peach ice cream this morning, actually, here at home uh, before I went to work. So I, I love, you know, the pastry side of things from a home perspective, but not from a, from a you know, sort of real-world restaurant perspective. So after that, I, I, I actually um, – bought into a small uh, restaurant um, in Boulder and co-owned that for a year with someone and that restaurant's still there, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. It was French provincial, not, it just didn't fit me. And that wasn't a great learning. I mean, it was actually an incredible learning experience on many levels, but it wasn't my like lifelong, oh, this is going to be a great business partnership. And um, this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. So after a year, um, I, you know, worked on sort of dissolving that partnership and relationship um, from a business perspective and was ready to really do something at that point just 100% on my own. Um, and I didn't have a ton of money left at, the, at that point, just in terms of like extra cash in the bank to start a whole new business. So I thought, you know, what could I do on a smaller budget um, with a little bit less commitment perhaps? Uh, than, a, than a restaurant signing a lease, doing all of that stuff. So the food truck thing had just really started coming around. Um, this was 2009 and 2010 uh, when I eventually started it. And, um, I, you know, growing up in New York City, was very familiar with food trucks, but on a different scale. You know, it was more your traditional lunch era, roach coach, you know, uh, vendor that parked on the side of the street and um, – it was just a very different deal, and so I was excited to try my hand at something completely new. And that's what I did. Now, did you um, – well, a couple of things. Now, I think one thing you said, you said you got to a point where you you almost considered going back and, and waiting tables because you had just – was that was that after the, the, the second? Yeah, yeah, after the – yeah, I just was like, what do I – you know, I mean, I couldn't really imagine – I mean, I'm a good, I'm a good worker and I love, I, I, you know, I like learning from people. So there was a part of me that was like, well, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's more for me to learn out there before I go and start my own thing. And, um, I, you know, I just, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm good at a lot of things, but most of those things relate to restaurants. So I couldn't really imagine going and doing something else. I was like, what, what else in the world would I do besides work in restaurants? Um, so, and, you know, I was, I loved serving. I was always a great server. I, you know, I like, I like people and the, the experience of being on the serving end of things from a restaurant perspective is something I've always loved as is, you know, actually being served when I go out to eat. So a great server is a, is I think a highly underrated, um, position in the world often. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, but you, you were kind of like at a point where you just, you weren't sure what you were going to do. And then, so you, you, you got the idea for the food truck, but the food truck was, I mean, they weren't even, at the time, am I, am I right that they, food trucks weren't even legal in Boulder? Is that right? They weren't legal. I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't know that only because there were none. And so I assumed it seemed like such a great idea to me. I couldn't imagine. I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that they wouldn't be legal. Um, and because I, I knew of somebody else who had tried to start one, but I didn't, they, it ended up not going and I didn't know why it had failed. And of course, soon into the process, you know, after I put down 60 grand on a, on a truck, um, in East Brunswick, New Jersey and was having it built out and then going to have it, you know, shipped out on a flatbed truck to get to me here in Boulder, Colorado, I, you know, as I was going through that process and trying to get city, um, licenses, that's when I learned after having spent all of that money. <laughs> I don't always do things in the right order. Um that we it was going it it was going to be really difficult to make it happen. But, you know, five and a half years later and it's more than happening, uh, with a lot of hard work, you know, definitely, especially in that first year and a half, trying to figure out how to not get arrested. Where could we go make money <laughs> without being shut down? Where could where could we go without somebody calling the cops because I was you know making them mad for parking somewhere on the street even if it was you know a long distance away from the front door of their restaurant so I didn't do that very much I, I figured out another way to make money and uh, pay the bills and um, when the opportunity presented itself to open a restaurant that's when I was I was like okay this is this is this may really work now because just a year and a half of running the food truck, that was a hard way to make a living. The hardest, actually. Oh, I bet. So, but you, so you're, you're, you're taking your pink taco truck around Boulder. I bet it was, I mean, especially if it was, you know, one of the first ones there. What, did you have a good following? I mean, were you, you, you able to get a lot yeah. of, um, we made a lot that. of friends. Yeah. Absolutely. And Facebook, you know, was, Facebook was, you know, obviously five or six or seven or so years, you know, old, but as far as a business, using it from a business platform and building my business on that, I mean, I would have been nowhere without that as a way to communicate with people as to how and where we were going to be once they found out about us. And they knew, you know, I mean, I, I having been in the restaurant business in this town for a long time, people knew what I was doing and were excited about it. And I think once they tasted it, and realized um, it might be worth driving out to a random industrial park to stand in the parking lot and, uh, you know, in line, sometimes in the snow, to get Pacos. Um, they kept, you know, they kept coming back and they kept searching for us. But um, it was not nearly as glamorous as what happened on Chef, where they just, you know, sort of seamlessly rolled across the country, stopping wherever they wanted and, you know, going to the grocery store and grabbing food and making it and then having a line. But that's not reality. <laughs> yeah, I need to, I know, you know, it's funny. I read your article and uh, and you, you were talking about the movie. I want to watch the movie, but I, I'm sure that, yeah, it made it seem a lot easier than than, than it is now. Yeah. One thing you said that I thought was, this is, I kind of want to go back to something you said earlier. You said that kind of with, with Proto's each time you'd have a location, you know, you would be worried about, you know, where's the money going to come from? And it was just, it's a daunting thing. And one thing you said is that you learned um, that every time you've ever second-guessed yourself, it's been done out of fear and that you, you've learned that when 
you know, when you jump in with both feet that, and, and do something anyway, that doors tend to open for you. Um, so t- talk a little bit about that because that's that's a tough thing, I think, for a lot of people that are getting into, you know, any business, but particularly the restaurant business, there's, there's a lot of fear. There is, there is, I think there's either complete just naivety or there's fear. Um, if you know what you're getting into, it can be very fearful. I think some people jump in with, you know, not really knowing and learn the hard way, but a lot of people may be reticent to even start because, because of fear. And this podcast, of course, is, you know, a lot of people are listening or folks that, you know, want to start a restaurant one day or, or maybe they're, you know, they're early goings or whatever. So talk about how you learn to kind of, I don't know, embrace fear or manage the fear effectively and, and overcome it because if it's something that, you know, you're, you're kind of wired with, I find that that's it's not an easy thing to overcome. Sure. I mean, I, I think it, you know, I mean, fear is a natural part of life. And I think when it comes to restaurant stuff, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to look on Eater or, you know, any number of different blogs where they, you know, talk about restaurant openings and closings within the last month. And you see how many, you know, with very good intentions and even sometimes great ideas start and then within a year they're closed. I, you know, I, the the fear for me often is about, um, you know, the first couple of times with Protos. I mean, when we opened our, our doors at that first location, we had, I think, $2,000 in the bank account on the day that we opened. And there was no room for error. We There was no room, you know, I mean, <laughs> like we had signed a lease for a long period of time. And, and there there we were, two of us, about to make a living from, you know, one pizzeria and $2,000 in the bank and, you know, all of a sudden the first payroll comes around and there's payroll taxes and where where does all of that money come from? And I think we were very lucky. We also had, you know, often people have the best intentions and the worst ideas. And I, I think it's really, you know, I was actually thinking about a concept last night where, you know, people open small little sort of street side cafes, but they have six tables and um, a small menu, and they think, you know, I can, I can do this, I can make this work, and that's a lot like opening a food truck in a lot of ways. You know, it's, you're, you're thinking to yourself, this is, it's a small commitment, but the bottom line is, unless you show up every single day and make it work and make the food delicious and serve it in a way that makes people want to come back, they're not, they're not going to. And if you, if you have such a small, you know, you only have six tables, or you just have a food truck in a two-hour window of time during the day to feed people if you screw that up you you can't like what do you do so you know there are so many I mean like in the last you know 15 16 years of restaurant ownership of days where and with the food truck where you with the restaurants maybe you do four hundred dollars in sales you know with, with protos and at the very beginning and you're like how poor that's not enough you know, and with the food truck, there were times when we would spend, you know, three hours prepping in the morning. We'd go out. It would be a bomb, and we'd sell $70. And I, was me and two other people on the truck, and $70 doesn't even pay for gas, uh, let yeah. alone all of the other things. So I think the fear is, is real and how to manage how to manage it and also manage all of the moving parts that make up service in the service industry in regards to restaurants. It just it's a it's a lot, and a lot of people have no idea. They don't know what they're they don't know what they're doing. Like you said, a lot of times it's naivete. 
they think, oh my God, I can go in and just, it looks really fun. Oh my, I, you know, I love walking into the restaurant and always seeing her. She makes it look, or he makes it look like such a fun business. But the bottom line is, you know, in the middle of the night when you wake up at 2.30 in the morning, you know, and you bolt up out of bed because you think to yourself, holy crap, it's, you know, payroll taxes are, it's Wednesday tomorrow. And, and I, I, there's not enough money in the bank, bank account. And so that happens sometimes to people sometimes more often than not and that's when it doesn't work and um so i think having a having a great idea is obviously you know the 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 first big thing and then executing it well with great people who have your back is is another is another huge piece to it um and and good people are i don't know that good people are hard to find but i think that good people like great management and often Mm -hmm people either micromanage or they're completely hands-off and then, you know, the lunatics are, you know, running the asylum, so to speak. And that's, you know, neither of those is a great way to, to manage or lead. I don't know that I do it very well um, on a day-to-day basis, but I, I, I think I must do a decent enough job because I I really have incredible people working with me. So. Yeah, that's a tough balance, I imagine, to find. It probably just takes experience, I guess, right? You, you know, figuring out the, that right because it is. It, it's you can't have one extreme or the other. Um, but uh, so have you just have you changed your style over the years? Have you kind of evolved the way you manage people and learned from that? Or? Oh, sh- you bet, absolutely. I mean, I you know, I've I've been in you know, I've had experiences with people that are total hotheads and it's clear to me that that's no way to manage or lead you know nobody likes it when people blow up at them you know leading by sort of instilling fear in people is a is a great way to make people you know not want to stick around um and then the opposite side of that of just being completely dispassionate and you know not available for for people not not listening not not watching either you know, just even from the extreme end of market trends to just the minutia of what's actually happening in the dish pit today. You know, there's it's a broad spectrum of stuff to pay attention to, and um, and you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, and some of those you have to sleep and and also have a life, which is I think one of the key things for me, and always has been. You know, I'm. I don't I'm not an hour counter. I don't talk to people about how much or I work. I don't I don't calculate that stuff in my head unless it's been too, you know, too long since I've I've had a day off, but in general, I feel like as a, a good manager, owner, I have to have time to myself. It's how I regroup and and then show up ready to, you know, be in charge again, be the boss. You know, nobody wants a boss that's just downtrodden and tired and like a martyr that's just it's a bummer to me I wouldn't want a boss like that so um I also you know really want my you know any anybody on my management team to do the same like you know what do you one of the questions that I ask people when I hire them especially when they're going to be in leadership positions is what do you like to do when you're not at work because I just you know like that's important do you do they hike do they do they just go out to the bars all night long do they you know do, are they people yeah. that love to go out and eat you know and enjoy the dining experience or are they you know just sort of you know like what do they do do they like to read do they read cookbooks do they are they informed you know what what goes on what makes them tick and um 
interesting people make for interesting managers and and boring people get bored, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so well then so and your team keeps growing. You've you've got you had the truck in two thousand ten, you yeah. opened location one and twelve and then another the second in two thousand thirteen, so kinda of almost back to back. That's probably um a yeah, pretty rigorous process. Yeah, no, it was uh it was a lot. And the second restaurant, that whole opening was a crazy month period of time. You know, I had sold my house in order to, you know, get money to go towards the opening of the new restaurant and just timing all of that and getting a loan and FBA through, you know, the bank, all, all of that stuff takes uh, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, thank God I have an amazing uh, bookkeeper who works for me pretty much full time. And, you know, she's, she has really neat handwriting and is a great bean counter <laughs> um, because, you know, those are the, those are the little things that from, sometimes my time is better spent doing other things. And, at the same time as opening Denver, I also was in the process of moving, and then that same, like, two weeks later, the big floods in Boulder happened, and I live in Boulder, and there was just, uh, you know, I mean, life goes on. It's, I grew up, you know, wanting to be an actress and, you know, wanting to be in the theater, and that there was always that saying, the show must go on, and that same thing happens in my industry now, you know, I mean... Just, there's, you, you still open your doors. You still show up and make food and serve it, hopefully, Absolutely. to someone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you – now, are you going to you gonna keep expanding? Yeah. I just actually yesterday brought home a, um, a Sprinter cargo van um, growing the catering – the indoor catering piece to my business, um, which is really exciting. And I'm also about a week away – maybe not even that much from signing a lease on a third location um, in Denver, just outside of Denver, actually, which since I haven't signed a lease, I won't say exactly what it is, but it's it's going to happen, and I'm really excited about it. So that's another incredible opportunity. It'll be the third Comida Cantina, and um, it's, a, it's, you know, I'm proud of the brand. I'm proud of the food. It's all made from scratch, and it's not something – it's not brain surgery. Uh, you know, it's it just takes – showing up and doing and um so i'm excited to do it again i think it'll be great you you said uh well congratulations on that by the way and, and i'm gonna let you go in a second here but one thing i've heard that's been consistent throughout our conversation which i think is so important that i would i would imagine you would underscore um is is you've said several times you know you you, you got to show up and do you got to show up and execute it's about execution i mean is, isn't that really a key like you as you said you have to find the right balance for sure you can't work all the time and, and you know wear yourself out and but um isn't so much of this business just a consistent just taking you know one step ahead of the next day after day just showing up and being there and knowing what's going on and just trying to, you know, every day to, to maybe improve a little bit or just get things right every day. And you, you can't just own restaurants and check out and think you can have people that, you know, are going to run them for you. And, it's, that, you know, it's you you really just have to kind of – it's just a, a daily execution business, isn't it? <clears throat> I mean, yes, it is certainly for me. I I think for a lot of people, you know, they, they might look at it as sort of plodding along. Ugh, i got to get up again and do the same thing over again. But I I – I'm 100% a morning person, which <laughs> I don't know how I don't know I don't know how people do it without being necessarily a morning person. Although my restaurants don't stay open until midnight or one o'clock, so maybe that's part of it. 
but I, you know, I, I'm excited every day that I wake up and there are new challenges and sometimes they hit you in the face like a ton of bricks. I, you know, three weeks ago, one of my very dearest, sweetest, favoriteest, you know, just everything, employees, longest in Comida, very unexpectedly let me know that she needed to move, to move on. She needed to take a job that was closer to where she lives um, and, you know, closer to her husband and family and, um, it was a really hard decision for her, but it completely blindsided me. And I, you know, I, <clears throat> there are moments like that where you think, holy, you know, what, how, how, how do I do this with, without her, without, you know, what do I, <clears throat> what's the next day going to be like? Who will fill her position? You know, and, and, and then I, I know myself well enough to know that freaking out helps nothing. Um, yeah. you know, so if I'm going to freak out, I do it by myself in my car which I did, and then, you know, then after a good night, a good night, good night's sleep, and, you know, like a, a bunch of just, you know, writing stuff down, different ideas, I woke up in the morning with a clear head and some ideas, had a good conversation with her, and was like, okay, and then within hours, the, this amazing person who I've worked with, in a, in a different sense, she's done all my graphic stuff for the last 15 years, even since Proto's, she stepped up and was like, I'm really interested in talking to you about that position. And I, I couldn't be luckier to have her. And I think, you know, you, you, just when you think it's all like, you can't figure it out. It's impossible. It's too hard. It's, you know, and if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's one of my favorite things to say, because it's true. It's not, it's just not easy, but there, there was the solution, you know, and, and I think so many people sit and spin in the problem and they, they show up and they talk about the problem. And I had a really great boss at one point, my favorite boss ever, really the only boss I ever had, who said, Ramey, if you, <clears throat> if you show up to work, I was the GM of one of his restaurants at the time, and he said, if you show up to work consistently and you're thinking to yourself, I can't stand that person. Like, why are they doing that? And why, you know, he's like, the only person you have to blame is yourself. Like, you're mm. in charge. This is your world, your reality. Yeah. And you, you can either make it great or it can just, suck and you can plod through it every day and that's not how I want to live or run restaurants so <clears throat> that's awesome that's really good advice okay. Rami well, well listen uh, so this I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and um, congratulations on just a, a really cool um, business that you've built and you know the, the growth is great so um, you know can't wait to hear about the new location and just uh, thank you for doing this because I know anybody listening to this is going to get a lot of really good advice, and, and that's what we're doing this for is to just you know hear from folks like you that have that have you know it, it isn't easy, but um, but it's a, it, it, you know if you love the business and you stay with it and you believe in yourself and you, you kind of can you know get past your fear, you can you can do it just like you have. Um, so that's well, thanks really very much. inspiring. Yeah, right on. When I have to just I have to just say this because I was doing it this morning working on the schedule. I, I'm, there, there are many tools in the business that make what I do easier, and yours is one of them. So thanks for that. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. That wasn't necessary. <laughs> Thank you. That was, I, that I know, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, thanks well, a lot. Cool, Amy. I appreciate well, it. It's nice to talk to you. It was great to talk to you, too. And the next time you're heading out to uh, Charlotte, I, you, let me know. I'd love to see you. I, I will, absolutely. Take care. Okay, thanks. take care. Bye. Bye-bye.